My name is Michael Cox from the Communications Office at the University of Warwick. Today I'm talking to Mike Stillings, who is an honorary professor at the University of Hull, delivering pharmacology and therapeutic courses, and retired director of global professional relations at Reckitt Benckiser, who make a number of well-known medicines and household cleaning products. He has particular interest in the area of the pharmacokinetics and therapeutics of analgesics and is going to be talking about acetyl salicylic acid, commonly known as aspirin, and its uses. Firstly, please can you tell me what exactly is aspirin and where does it come from? It's got a long history. Um, it's a derivative of, of a natural product called salicin, which is found in willow, willow bark and willow leaves, and it's been used for thousands of years to treat the pain of, of childbirth, for instance. Um, more recently it was uh, sort of rediscovered, if you like, in the UK in the 1700s uh, by a, uh, a reverend called um, Edward Stone, who um, believed in the doctrine of signatures. Uh, and this doctrine of signatures is, is a belief that if in a particular area of the country there's a particular disease which is highly prevalent, then God has placed in that area the, um, the, the means of, of counteracting the disease. I don't think it's believed in anymore, mind you, but it's, it was uh, very popular in those days. And, and he um, noticed that his parishioners who lived near rivers um, and streams had a high incidence of what they called ague, which is flu and colds. And so he, uh, he looked around for plants uh, which grew in those sort of conditions, and he came across the willow, which is obviously grows quite well in, uh, in damp conditions and he started to treat his, um, his parishioners with willow bark and he found that it cured in inverted commas their, uh, their fevers and their, and their pain. So that was really the, the start of aspirin in the UK. It was actually synthesised uh, chemically by uh, the, the company uh, Bayer Bayer company in about 1895 um, and uh, they first produced and mass produced aspirin, aspirin in, uh, in about 1899 and it really was the the start of the success of the of the bear company since then it's been used you know obviously very widely for the last 100 years for relief of pain fever and inflammation but more recently it's being used for the reduction of risk of cardiovascular disease and there's some interest now in, in the treatment of cancer as well with with aspirin most people do know aspirin as an over-the-counter painkiller, but you, you touched on some of the other things that it can be used for. What, what are those main areas of medicine? The major area in, um, in medicine now is, is almost certainly the treatment of cardiovascular disease. So there's probably more aspirin used now for that than there is for the treatment of pain and fever. Um, and essentially what, what aspirin does is reduce the likelihood of, of little cells in the blood called platelets from sticking together. Um, and it was discovered in, in the early part of um, the last century uh, that people who have had heart attacks and, and died, if you actually dissect the heart, what is causing the heart attack is a little clot inside the, the heart muscle. And that actually then deprives the, the, the tissue around the clot of, of oxygen, and that part of the tissue dies, and that's what a heart attack is. Similarly with the strokes, most strokes are, are caused by blood clots, which kill a little bit of area of the, of the brain, leading to a, to a heart attack. And one of the... Um, the major constituents of these clots was platelets, these little cells in the, in the body. And it was found in the uh, in 1950s and 1960s that aspirin uniquely had a major effect in, in inhibiting platelets from sticking together. Um, and so the first clinical trial was done on aspirin in the, in the very early 1970s. And the, the trial showed that there was a 25% reduction in risk of death from people who took aspirin uh, after they had the first heart attack. 
And from then on, literally thousands of clinical studies have confirmed um, its utility in, in the reduction of risk of cardiovascular disease. So how does that aspirin actually work? How does it uh, stop these platelets? Well, platelets actually clump together um, by a, uh, a process which involves a chemical which, which platelets produce called thromboxane. And I don't want to get too technical here, and, and I really need a sort of graph to, to actually show you the, the route, but uh, essentially thromboxane is, is the, uh, the final product in a, a cascade of events called the arachidonic acid cascade. And part of the, the cascade uh, involves an enzyme called cyclooxygenase, COX for short. And what aspirin does is, is inhibit this enzyme. Uh, and uniquely, it does it irreversibly, um, so that the, the enzyme is irreversibly inhibited by, by aspirin, and that actually stops platelets clumping together, um, uh, which then obviously reduces the risk of, of future cardiovascular uh, incidents. What are the advantages of aspirin compared with other drugs that might do similar jobs in medicine? Well, there aren't that many drugs that, um, that actually inhibit platelets from aggregating. Um, there are a few new ones that are expensive. Um, one of the advantages of aspirin is it's dead cheap. Uh, it's really very cheap, and that's one of the major advantages. Um, but secondly, uh, and as I said uniquely, aspirin actually irreversibly inhibits this enzyme, whereas other drugs like uh, of the same family as aspirin, like ibuprofen, for instance, they inhibit the, the enzyme, but it's reversible. So the ibuprofen, for instance, will interact with, uh, with the enzyme and then come off again so that the enzyme can work, keep on working. Whereas aspirin, uniquely, as I said, inhibits it for the lifetime of the platelet. Um, so it's still one of the, the best drugs around for doing this sort of job. But as I said, there are new ones around now, vastly more expensive, which do similar sorts of things. Does it have any disadvantages? It does, yeah. Aspirin um, does have advantages. Like all non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, um, it does cause gastric upset in, in some people. So up to 20% of people will have sort of st some stomach effect when they take aspirin. But a lot of this um, is down to you know, people swallowing an aspirin tablet and it sort of sits on the gastric mucosa and starts to burn the mucosa. So soluble forms of aspirin are, are said to be safer. Um, it also has some, some effect in asthmatics, and something like 10% of asthmatics are particularly sensitive to aspirin. So, yeah, it does have a downside, uh, and therefore its use is really reserved for people who are at a high risk of, of uh, cardiovascular disease. Can you comment at all on the studies that suggest that aspirin may help to prevent cancer? There are, yeah, there are a lot of studies which are, are not... You know, the, the best type of clinical studies are where you have a placebo-controlled... Um, trial, where you, you have uh, two groups of very similar patients, same age, same um, same sex, same medical history, and you put one on a placebo and one on a on an active like aspirin. Um, there haven't, to my knowledge, been any studies like that done with aspirin in in, in cancer. But what have been done uh, are so-called case control studies, where you take a, a, a vast population of people and you you work out which of those patients happen to be on aspirin or on non-steroidal anti-inflammatory and then you have another population very similar to the first one but they don't have uh, a history of being on aspirin or anti-inflammatory and then you look at the incidence of cancer in those two populations and when you do it that way um, people who've taken aspirin or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory regularly 
have a significantly reduced risk of, of um, certain cancers, esophageal cancer, lung cancer, for instance, colon cancer. And it's, it, it, it is difficult because you can't really do clinical trials with a placebo group and, a, and a, an active group because you can't tell who are go- who's going to get the cancer. So um, you've got to do it with the, the, the sort of case-controlled method. But the, the evidence looks compelling that aspirin does seem to have an effect in reducing the risk of um, cancer in, in all sorts of different uh, cancerous states. How it works is anyone's guess. Which seems might be the next question. <laughs> well, yeah, not quite, but it does seem that aspirin has a large amount of applications. I mean, is it fair to say it's a wonder drug? Or a well, I would class drug? it as a wonder drug. Um, a, because, you know, if you look at the uh, the structure of aspirin, the chemical structure, it's really simple. I mean, a lot of drugs these days are very, very complex. Aspirin is one of the simplest drugs around. And it's also one of the oldest. It probably is, in terms of a synthetic drug, it's the oldest as I said earlier, it was marketed in 1899, so it's well over 100 years old. Uh, but, you know, the more people actually study how it works and what it can do, um, the, the more amazed people get. And and back in the, the late 90s, even though the drug was 100 years old, there were papers being published every two hours on, on aspirin. Um, and there are something like 30,000 papers on aspirin now. And for a drug that old, uh, that's remarkable. So what are the the current areas of research with aspirin Uh, and also do you think there might be some more applications could you speculate on 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 the future for it yeah there i don't know the i'm about three or four years out of the uh, out of the research um area on on this particular medical area so i'm not quite sure what's going on with with aspirin but when i was very much involved in it one of the the areas of interest was in dementia uh, and really there are two types of dementia. One is Alzheimer's, which I think everybody is probably aware of now. Um, and the other is um, a dementia which is called vascular dementia. And vascular dementia is something uh, which builds up over many, many years. And essentially it's the, it's the product of very, very minor blood clots building up through the years in the brain uh, until eventually they build up to an extent where it becomes noticeable in, in people's behaviour. Now, it's theoretically possible that people who... Uh, can be caught before they start start having the build-up of these small blood clots, uh, if they can be put on aspirin before then, uh, so that the aspirin inhibits the, the blood clots, then that might well have an effect on, on subsequent development of vascular dementia. The problem is, again, you, you can't tell who's going to develop the dementia and who isn't. So you've got to treat, you know, if you, if you took this route, you had have to treat everybody. And there were some people, there would be some people, a lot of people, who wouldn't have got dementia anyway. So for those people, you would be treating them with aspirin, exposing them to the side effects of aspirin to, to no benefit. So the, uh, th- there's also some um, indication that, that um, aspirin, regular aspirin or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory usage reduces the risk of Alzheimer's disease as well. And there are some, again, case control studies which look really quite spectacular. But until somebody does a clinical trial which is you know, placebo versus aspirin or placebo versus non-steroidal, I think the jury's still out. But... That is definitely an area of interest. You mentioned, obviously, offsetting the um, benefits with with the side effects there, and you've mentioned some of the side effects, but are are there other side effects that are associated with long-term use? Yeah, the long-term use is... um, I've mentioned already uh, gastric problems in in many people, up to 20% of people. Um, As I said, 
asthmatics should be careful about using aspirin because 10% of them will be sensitive. Uh, and then some people might have, with long-term use, kidney problems. Um, but the, 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 key, um, the key two side effects which people will be bothered with most are probably um, gastric side effects and also uh, asthma. But there is a, there is an, a, th- a third group of, of people who shouldn't take aspirin, and that's children. Because back in the 80s, um, a syndrome turned up which hitherto hadn't been uh, identified called Rye Syndrome. And looking at the epidemiology of, of the children who suffered from Rye Syndrome, and it is a serious disease, and 50% uh, of the children who get it, is, uh, it proves fatal in. Many of the children had been treated with aspirin uh, before, it is claimed, before the disease actually became manifest. Uh, and therefore aspirin became associated with Rye syndrome. And uh, and that led to the, the withdrawal of aspirin in, in children. So now children up to the age of 16 shouldn't take aspirin um, because of the, the potential risk of Rye syndrome. It's, I mean, it's incredibly rare. But the fact is, if uh, a child does get it, then it's potentially fatal. So that's the other big area that aspirin should be excluded from, is children. I just wondered if you could provide any statistics, perhaps, with regards to uh, the benefits for versus, say, severe side effects. So sometimes, obviously, you were saying that to prevent certain conditions, you'd have to treat everybody. So, you know, you say you take a healthy group of people, then <coughs> one in X of them will yeah. have a potentially bad side effect, and one in X of them will be prevented from having the disease and so on. Can you quantify yeah. that a bit better I, for I, me? I can, yeah. Um and it's a good question. Aspirin is obviously used, as I said, in treatment of people who are at high risk. So people who have already had a heart attack, uh, people who have got high blood pressure or diabetes or or high cholesterol levels, people who are at high risk of having a heart attack, um, should be on aspirin unless uh, their doctor tells them otherwise. Uh, and the reduction in the risk that they will get from having a heart attack is about 30%. Now, there's been some, uh, a lot of work done on people who are relatively healthy and have started to take aspirin. And, uh, and because it was done a number of years ago, that in those days you could do placebo-controlled studies with, with aspirin um, in cardiovascular disease. Now you can't because it would be unethical to put a patient on, on placebo when you knew that you sh- they should be on aspirin. So you, you, didn't, you, you used to be able to do that, but you can't do placebo studies anymore with aspirin in cardiovascular disease. Um, but back in the in the um, early 90s, there were a couple of placebo-controlled studies in healthy people uh, to look at the reduction in the risk of their first heart attack. So these were healthy people. So they were studied for a long time. Uh, and in those healthy people, the reduction in the risk of their first heart attack was, again, about 30%. So it, it really is across the board from people, you know, young people who have got a very low risk all the way up to people who have already had a heart attack, uh, heart attack which uh, are at high risk, the reduction uh, in, in the, the risk of the next heart attack is 30% across the board. So it's a very useful percentage reduction. The problem is that the people at, at the, the healthy young end, even though they've, uh, their reduction in risk with aspirin is, is 30%, their risk of getting a heart attack is really small. So you're reducing a very small number by 30%. But overlying that, you've got the, the risk of a side effect. So you're exposing those people to, a, to a, a potential side effect when the absolute reduction in risk is really very small. And then 
you've then got a sort of curve which rises with age and with you know, smoking and diabetes and all the risks of heart attack until you get to the, the extreme other end, uh, people who have already had a heart attack who have got a high risk. And therefore a 30% reduction for them is well worth paying the potential price of the side effects. So it depends on, on the, the absolute risk. So someone like you, who's young, healthy, I assume, um, if you took aspirin, you'd reduce your risk by 30% of having a heart attack. But your risk is small anyway, so it's not worth you taking it. The older you get, um, uh, and the more sort of diseases you have which increase the chance of a heart attack, then the more you should actually consider taking the drug. In the same sort of statistical vein as well, you'd said that treatment with aspirin is very, very cheap. Yeah. But obviously when it's used as a prophylactic treatment, the cost is going to mount up. So, uh, again, is it do, do, do the cost benefits, are they positive there, for example? I think the cost benefits are extremely positive. And um, there are companies around who, who try to, and they believe that they're, they're right, they try to, um, if you like, tart up the, the, the bog standard aspirin by coating it to make the stomach irritation less or, or make it dissolve quicker so the stomach irritation is less um, uh, and in that way they, they, they actually try to make a profit uh, on aspirin by selling it for a greater price than you can buy it in the chemist as a generic but the fact is most aspirins work, work the same way um, and one of the problems I guess with, with aspirin and probably why it isn't more widely used is because it's so cheap Pharmaceutical companies are in business, obviously, to make money as well as to save people's lives and, and make their lives better. But their, you know, the, the, the final arbiter is is, re, is returns of the pharmaceutical companies to the shareholders, so that they they're there to make profits, which they can then plough back into R and D to make more drugs. There's no money in aspirin. Um, it's been around a hundred years. You can make it really easily on a ton scale. Um, so you simply can't make huge profits on, on the drug it's, it's highly generic, you can buy it for a half a pence a, a tablet in a local supermarket um, so that pharmaceutical companies don't push it uh, as, as they might push you know, a more expensive new drug uh, and therefore uh, the um, although many many doctors do prescribe it, some, some still don't prescribe it, probably because the, the, the pharmaceutical companies don't push it uh, as much as they push other drugs, but the fact is it is extremely cheap, and, and you know, if if you're at the the right or wrong end of that spectrum uh, of risk, then the risk benefit is is really very high. Um, and as I said, mostly uh, a bog standard sort of aspirin uh, works just as well as a as a as a tarted up aspirin. You said when it was or when something similar to aspirin was first discovered in the 1700s, it, it came from uh, Willow, I yeah. think you said. Is it possible to get the drug in a natural, non-synthetic form in some kind of herbal remedy? Or no, no. It, um, the, the drug, sorry, the, uh, the, the, the compound that aspirin is derived from is called salicylic acid. And salicylic acid is, is the stuff that you put on warts to burn warts off. Uh, so it's quite toxic, it's quite toxic and very, very irritant. That's how it works. Um, and the um, the stuff which is in willow is very close to salicylic acid. Uh, it's very irritant. 
And so although in the 17 and 1800s people took it because it was the only thing they could take for, for treating their rheumatic uh, disorders, it had a, a, a highly deleterious effect on the stomach. And that's why, why the, the, the company Bayer uh, began to look around for, a, for a, something which was aspirin-like, uh, but which had a, a reduced GI, gastrointestinal toxicity. And uh, they actually f found that this simple derivative, acetyl salicylic acid, was, was much safer, but as effective as, as salicylic acid. So the, um, the, the natural salicylates are around. In fact, all plants do have salicylate. But you know, the high concentration of salicylate is, is quite irritant. Professor Stillings, thank you very much. Thank you.